0: It's mid-July and the sports calendar is very empty. You know how we all know? Because the Espies were a couple days ago. But, baseball returns. Football training camps are in the distance. Wimbledon's finishing up. WNBA is in swing. But, Jordan Youngs makes his triumphant return. And we're gonna talk a little bit of Mariners. Hey. They searched, they, got, uh, they took three of four from Houston. Probably could have swept Houston easily. Well, not easily, you know what I mean. Could have swept them. A Little bit of a, you know, eh, maybe not the best strategy with the lineup in the game they lost, but it doesn't matter. They took three of four from Houston, in Houston, and Shohei Otani might be on the trade block. He's definitely a free agent. Jordan and I will break all of this down. I'm Tim Kelly. This is Courts and Fields. Back again, Jordan Youngs. Jordan, you are the resident Mariners expert for this podcast, and it's all star break time. Well, it's ending now, but we got to bring you on.
1: Yeah, man. I mean,. When you're in hiding in Texas, I mean, there's not much else to do than watch <laughs> Mariners games and talk about and, and look into different points that I can bring up on the podcast. So uh, thanks for giving me this outlet, man. Hey, uh, quick question. How hot is it in Texas right now? Oh, boy. Um, you know, routinely now, every afternoon, we are near you know, 105, 107. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty brutal, man.
0: I was... I was literally just adding oil to my car, and it's like 85 out there,
1: you know, and up, up in the uh,
0: Seattle-Tacoma area. And I'm like, ah, this is too
1: hot. But, you know. I don't even think it gets down to 85 at night here. Wow. You know, I saw today there was some lady in Houston who baked a loaf of bread in her mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well.
0: That's how hot it is down here. Well. I think that's a good segue. Speaking of, uh, you know, uh, speaking of Houston and uh, I won't say bake, but we'll use another B word beating heading into the all-star break last week, the Mariners this time last week took three of four from the Astros. And that put them a game over 500 heading into the
1: all-star break. How were you feeling
0: uh, after (laughs)
1: Sunday's game? Well, last time we were on this podcast it was all mariner doom and gloom the larry stone piece came out they've regressed what a disappointment but i knew i knew we were going to get to this point where they were going to show a little bit of life kind of get back into it and show the fans that they might have a puncher's chance as they go into the second half so look man if i'm looking at the last whatever 15 games before the break like basically after that washington national series yes i think they hit rock bottom right like honestly this mariners team like doesn't start playing until they hit rock bottom like (laughs) what were they last year like 13 games under 500 then they kind of turned it on so it's just like Can't they just start every year and, like, lose every game in April and then, you know, just go on their tear? But um, it's encouraging, okay, Uh, for a number of reasons. You know, when we – I think a couple of podcasts ago, we were kind of talking about the early season struggles. And um, a lot of the the struggles, it wasn't necessarily the offense early on. It was kind of the shaky bullpen, not getting great starts from the starters. But – Man, our starters have really settled down. And in a season where you lose Robbie Ray, a season where Marco Gonzalez has been down for a while, we don't know when he's coming back. You've had to bring up guys that you didn't necessarily think you were going to see this early, like Bryce Miller, Brian Wu. Um, I mean, I think we knew Gilbert and Kirby were going to be decent this year. But, man, like Kirby making the all-star team, I think you could even make a case that Logan Gilbert should have made the all-star team. Uh, to go along with Castillo, our starting pitching is cruising right now. And we're doing what we need to do to get enough runs to secure the win. So taking three out of four against Houston should have swept them, actually. But um, I am encouraged. And that has always been kind of like my thing with the Mariners the last several seasons. It's like whenever they play – the top teams in the AL West, you know, they don't, you know, I think Houston had our number last year. They definitely had it the the year before that. But correct me if I'm wrong, Tim, have we taken the two series that we've played against Houston this year? We've taken both series, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So like, are the tides kind of turning a little bit? Are the Mariners kind of uh, planting themselves as like uh, one of these juggernauts in the AL West? Now, like, I'd love to see them play this Rangers team now who's kind of struggling as of late the angels who have uh, destroyed us this year have kind of fallen off. So look, man, am I encouraged? Yeah. I mean, like who wouldn't be, but like, this is like a tale of two teams this year. There's, you know, whatever 75 plus games left to play. Like I don't know what Mariner team's going to show up like at any moment, our offense could shut off again. And we're going to be losing these two-to-one games, three-to-one games, wherever it is. So um, I guess I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, I guess there's a lot of baseball still left to play. But, um, you know, I think they're a good team, but they're just not a, not a great team. So you're kind of hoping that they can string together some of these wins and maybe, you know, sneak in at the end of the season.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing with Houston is just injury. Injuries, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what's kept in. But hey, you mentioned too. I mean, the Mariners, uh, they're high priced. uh, Probably the pitcher that's making the most because I think Castillo's contract really kicks in starting next year. But, you know, your highest priced pitcher through three and a third innings, (laughs) you know, the guy you were expecting to be, you know, your, your, at least your number two, maybe your ace. I mean, I guess Castillo would be the ace, but Ray would be the number two. yeah, it's uh it, it is it's interesting to see. I mean, Houston and they, they they've started to lose some players, right? Like guys aren't there. But then, you know, you have Tucker and Alvarez, but Alvarez is banged up. Altuve's been banged up. Tucker and Alvarez are playing like they have been, but the rest of the bats I mean, Bregman, Pena aren't doing as well as they did last year. Right. They signed Jose Abreu, and he's only has a 630 OPS, which is crazy because yeah. that guy was mashing in Chicago. So I don't know. I mean, the thing about baseball is, like you said, I mean, it's it's all about hitting your stride. I mean, maybe, maybe uh, you know, maybe it's a good thing. I mean, it's not good to always play catch up, but you also don't want the Mariners peeking in. You know the end of May either, do you?
1: No, and you know, like wh- what I love about the Mariners organization is like trade talk heats up, and like Mariners have like one of the things that pretty much all teams covet, and it's controllable young stud pitching, and we have that. I mean, like you know, Gilbert Kirby Wu and Miller. And then, you know, we still have some guys like Hancock waiting in the wings. But I remember reading in Moneyball, I mean, Billy Bean talked about it in it. He's like, the strong pitching pretty much gets you to the postseason. But beyond that, it's kind of just luck. You know, it's like really oh, yeah. comes down to like the, you know, what happens in each individual game. And so. Um, you know, that I think the Mariners formula, I see what they're trying to do. And it, I mean, like it obviously took a long time to get to this point, but like, we just have a organization that's almost like a factory of these young, effective pitchers that we can just like pump through the organization. And like, that will actually keep us relevant for a long time where we have kind of sputtered here in the last couple seasons is kind of getting these positional players where they need to be. And obviously this year with the regression and the odd platoon choices from your boy Scott Service that I don't understand. Because, um, man, we, we got some huge holes in the lineup that, you know, if we had an average or an above average lineup, like I guarantee, Tim, we're, we're probably one of the top teams in the AL. Uh, Yeah, a lot of interesting uh, things pop in my mind while you
0: were talking. Uh, You mentioned the controllable assets from the pitchers. Uh, MLB Trade Rumors had a report today, I don't know if you saw it, that the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, the last place, 14 games under 500 St. Louis Cardinals, are interested in acquiring Logan Gilbert. Well, I mean, Um, who isn't
1: interested? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, you mean,
0: a pitcher who's only in his second full year, and you'll have another cheap year and three more controllable years. But the the kicker is, they don't want to give up Goldschmidt, Arenado, (laughs) Lars Nootbaar, or Jordan Walker. So it's like, oh, okay. So you know, as you and I always talk about, you know, with with trades, like you got to give something to get something you know right. these aren't it's like we the, want
1: I was gonna say we want one of your best players but uh, this handful of our best players is off limits it's like okay that makes sense
0: yeah it's like
1: I mean, it, I mean
0: take for example when the Mariners uh, acquired Kelnick right uh, they were dumping Cano's contract but to dump Cano's contract they had to give up a good young controllable asset in Diaz you know, and it'd be nice right. having Diaz coming out. Uh well, I guess not this year. He's injured, but you know what I mean. Uh
1: <laughs> and we had to um absorb Adam Dunn's contract. Mm-hmm. Or uh that too.
0: Yeah. No, not uh Or was it was. Dunn? No, it wasn't Dunn. No, no, no,
1: yeah. What's his name? Uh it's gonna kill me.
0: Jay Bruce. Jay Bruce. Or Jay Bruce. Yeah, a, yeah. A I knew I knew who player. you meant. Yeah. <laughs> I was
1: like, Dunn's just
0: a massive man that would just yeah, he was he was great. Yeah. That guy was a guy was a home run and walk machine. But yeah the uh, the other thing is, um, you were talking about was the Mariners have shown that they are great at uh, identifying pitching and developing that pitching. I mean, you mentioned uh, Wu. Uh, they had a guy this year that they drafted that they kind of comped like Wu. Draft just happened last week, obviously, but woo, who they got in the uh, sixth round at a Cal Poly uh, San Luis Obispo. He was, you know, kind of a bigger guy, six two, and he was a good athlete, but you know, might have had a little issues here or there, you know, get hitting his spots. And whatever Mariners' pitching lab do that, oh, they fixed them, and they identified another small school pitcher. And then they uh, took another guy, Teddy McGraw, this year from uh, Wake Forest, who probably would have been a first round pick, except he uh, needed Tommy John for the second time in his life uh, yeah. right before the baseball season started. So, I mean, they're taking gambles, but they identify the guys uh, that they want. And uh, even now in the draft, they took three high school bats, which they've never done. Their first three first round picks, all high school bats.
1: Right. Yeah. It's interesting to see. And, you know, it's funny, like, as you look at this draft, like, you know, I think you challenged me on this one time, like, and, you know, I still remember it. I was basically saying that, you know, coaches and executives for teams and scouts, like they're going to have the most advanced expert, intimate knowledge about players. And so like, how can really anybody who's outside of the organization and just a casual fan like criticize drafts or play calling and stuff like that and you're like well why even have like sports talk radio then if like <laughs> if only the experts really know and like nobody else knows i'm like well you know i mean i i get that but when it comes to the major league draft like these are guys that the talent is so raw. I mean, like you just said, they're coming out of high school. Like how is anybody really going to know unless you're like an advanced baseball scout, like if it is a good pick or not, because you need them to to develop three, four, sometimes five years in the minor league system to see their true potential and see if it really was a good pick or not. Um, But you get some fans who like read some article on some like – prospect draft prospect website and like oh no that's not a good pick or you know um (laughs) we need help now and all that stuff it's like you know come on like these are high school kids nobody has the intimate knowledge of how good these players are or their talent capabilities like these baseball scouts well and baseball is such a
0: different animal right because Mm -hmm. you i mean You literally are only – unless you're going to showcases in the summertime uh, or going to college baseball games, which I don't know many people who do either. You know, it's not like – it's not like uh, when you get to an NBA draft or an NFL draft where we've seen these guys play. We kind of know what they can do. Now, there's individual testing in all the sports. But, yeah, it's it's tough to say. You know, there's the grading scale, you know, where they have – well, this guy has a 70 run tool, you know the the outfielder uh, for Mello that they took. They're like they really like him. He's got a 70 run, you know, and it's like 80s the top, right? And you know, right. Well, they really like. Uh, was a guy named Hancock was the batter the, I forget. I'm, I, I'm I, I forget what his last name was. Uh, I feel like it was Hancock, but that would I don't know why they draft too many Hancock's, but doesn't matter. Regardless, the first pick overall, they were like – or Emerson. Maybe Emerson was the last name. Anyways, I'm going down a rabbit hole, but he was like a 55 (laughs) or a 60 hit tool. You know, they're like, this guy can hit. And I wonder, do you think they're – I mean, it's a huge change in philosophy. You and I were texting back and forth. Do you think uh, there may be uh, zagging while everyone's zigging and trying to get a – maybe get guys that can actually, uh, you know, hit the baseball?
1: Well, I think it really just comes down to like each individual draft. I think I heard like DePoto and some of the Mariners brass commenting how there was like, you know, some real talent for positional players in this draft. And maybe that young, raw starting pitching talent was just not a need for the organization. So I think it just kind of naturally fell into that kind of mode where they were going to try to go after some foundational positional pieces to kind of add to the organization. So I think it really just comes down by a draft by draft basis. Yeah. It's
0: interesting too, because we're talking about those picks. I wonder if some of it has to do with, you know, maybe, uh, I mean, some of those guys might want to go to college. I don't think that's the case because, um, you know, they'll throw money at them, but you do have a certain cap that you can go and if, uh, and, you know, for all three of those guys, there's not many more spots you can go uh, higher. I mean, there are some, obviously. But all of that being said, I wonder if they're just drafting those guys and putting them through the system. And who knows? They might just be um, uh, trade chips in the future.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, Mariners are no stranger to trading away prospects. You know, we've had some of the worst trades in Mariners or major league history, actually. But, Um, yeah, man. I mean, it's like you build value for your organization and there's a ton, tons of ways that you can do that. It's through developing talent and having, you know, blue chip prospects. And then also, you know, having the major league ready players as well. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. Like you, you see a lot of those players that are committed to college. I remember I went to high school with a guy who, um, got drafted by the Blue Jays and the next time we saw him you know he had like a tricked out escalade and stuff like that so <laughs> like money definitely talks man that's for sure. Yeah and I think guys now get at least
0: the last 20 years or so it's been like you get like a college guarantee so you know I mean maybe with the, with the escalating uh, prices of college they might not pass on that but some would be like yeah we'll sign but can you give me 50 oh, yeah. K for college? Right. You know, so
1: exactly. And you know, one last note on this draft, like these yeah. are going to be guys like that we just saw in this year's draft. Like we're not going to see, you know, if they end up staying with the Mariners organization, like we probably won't see them on the major league roster till what? 2027, 2028? Yeah. Late,
0: probably late 2027. Cause you think this year right. they won't even really play much.
1: Yeah. And then... So like, like the casual fans are going to forget about him over the next couple of years. I know there's like Twitter accounts and websites that do follow like Mariners prospects through the system and stuff like that, but largely the general Mariner fan base is going to forget about all these guys until you know two or three years down the line. Well, last year's first round
0: pick, uh Cole Young, just last night got bumped up from Modesto to Everett. So. Hey. They're, they're liking what they're seeing. I mean, he's only, what, 19, 18, or 19 now, so, uh, yeah. Do we got. Uh,
1: I was going to say, do we got guys, like, in AAA that are knocking on the door? I know, like, the Mariners kind of keep a lot of their pitchers at uh, AA Arkansas, but, like, I mean, is there anybody, like, knocking on the door in, in Tacoma right now? Well,
0: I mean, you have uh, Marlowe and Deloche, you know, the outfielders, outfielders, good DH guys. I guess you could say, but I mean, they're both like 24, 25, if I think so. The, the really of hitting prospects, Jonathan Classe, he got called up to Double uh, A about a month ago, maybe six weeks ago. He's uh, He's got a lot of speed, swipes a lot of bases. He can hit some home runs too. But no, I mean, everybody else is either in Everett or Peoria. I, I think somebody got promoted. Uh, from Everett to, um, uh, to Arkansas. Did they get, was it Gonzalez, or did he go up to – well, it's one of their other prospects is now getting the double A. But, no, I mean, they don't have anybody that
1: uh, is going to be ready to help out this year. Yeah. What do you think they're going to do coming into uh, trade season here? Well, do we want to talk about the elephant in the room? <laughs> I just took a swig of my sparkling water. Almost spit it out. Yeah, let's do it.
0: <laughs> well, I, I mean, obviously, they need—they probably need a starting pitcher, right? <laughs> uh huh. And you know, because Wu and Miller, you know, you got inning restrictions. Um, you know, and they obviously need a bat, right?
1: Well, what I if have a question you,
0: about it. What if you could get a pitcher that also hits?
1: Oh really? I didn't know pitchers did it, you know, actually hit the ball.
0: Well, there's one guy named Shohei Otani. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Him.
0: Yeah. He he might be uh, apparently has spent two off seasons, spent some time in Seattle. Uh, had a great great welcoming by the Seattle crowd uh, that he enjoyed. What uh, was the
1: chant come to Seattle or something yes, like that? It, yes, it was. Um <laughs> But uh, uh, yeah, it is.
0: Um, it is. Uh, well, the Angels have had injuries. They are now forty-five and forty-six. They're actually up two nothing right now. Otani has five strikeouts in three innings. He also has a hit. Uh, but if Otani
1: was available for trade, what would you do? Well, I mean, if the Angels are actually going to trade him, which I, I don't want to say they're not going to do it, but, man, the Angels really, really struggled there going into the break. I think they lost, what, um, 9 of 10 or something yeah. like that. So, yeah. look, Mike Trout's back down. Rendon is hurt again. Um, man, you know, the Angels just cannot seem to figure it out. Year after year, but um, if Otani is available, um, you're basically getting Otani for what forty five games or whatever. Or not forty five, but seventy five games the rest of the season, uh, half a season of Otani. Um, I think what you're going to have to give up is going to just have two major of an impact. Um, and I think that's gonna be far greater than the boost that Otani brings because the Angels are gonna be trading within the division, and they know there's gonna be a chance that they're gonna have that exclusive negotiating window with the Mariners. Otani is that they'll be facing Otani for who knows? Could it be four, five, six, seven, eight years, however long he wants to play, yep. whatever deal he would potentially sign with the Mariners. So you know that they're going to be, you know, maybe not even offer Otani to the Mariners, but if they did and they were trying to make a deal, they're going to want a bounty, man. And so you're talking probably one of two, maybe maybe both, like a, a, both a Logan Gilbert and a Kirby. You're talking about a Hancock. You're maybe talking about O'Brien Wu. I'm not saying like all these guys, but man, I mean, you're going to have to give up at least three of your big controllable assets, which is for the Mariners is pitchers um, and probably another top guy that's, you know, still kind of early in our system. So, I mean, look, who wouldn't want an Otani on the roster but man that the asking price is just going to be way too high there's no guarantee that he's going to sign here i mean if dude wants to play in seattle like why don't you just take your chances and try to get a free agency which is a whole nother discussion because i mean i think Otani's probably going to end up signing one of the most lucrative deals in sports history I mean, what were we talking about last time on the podcast, Tim? Like 500 million, Five, $600, 600 million, million. something. Yeah, I mean, like, do you think the Mariners even have that type of money to to secure an Otani?
0: I think they do. Um, it's whether they choose to or not, right? I mean, and, and as we've seen, they never do. But I I think they could if they wanted to. Now, let me ask you this question: What do Mariner fans love? what is the thing they love most more so than, uh, you know, cheeky nicknames for the players or, uh, winning games. What do the, what do Mariners fans love the most?
1: Um, garlic fries. I'm not sure. Prospects. Mariners fans (laughs) love
0: (laughs) prospects.
1: Okay. (laughs) It's their favorite thing. Of course. Yeah. It's
0: all they care about. Yes. Um, uh so um I just think if you gotta give something up, you know it is prospects like you said uh, a Miller, a woo, Hancock, Harry Ford. now you get Otani in here, you go on a postseason run. Otani something Otani's never experienced, <laughs> then he's like, hey, I want to stay here because supposedly he doesn't want to move away from the West Coast. You
1: know, I, I, I'm just, I, I'm just, I'm just spitballing. Well, I think you, you're kind of romanticizing this Otani thing, man. I mean, let's, okay, let let's talk about the state of our pitching right now. Okay, we don't know when Marco Congol- Gonzalez is coming back. We don't know. Well, Robbie Ray's done for a while. So, you give up a Wu, you give up a Kirby or a Gilbert or whatever. I mean, like, yeah, you're bringing Otani, he can pitch, but like, you know, you're hurting our rotation pretty badly. And you're giving up prospects who were potentially going to face later against the Angels in division, all for a half a season of a player, like, That we don't even know that's going to sign with us. Yeah, you're going to get, whatever, a couple months of an exclusive negotiating window. If he even wants to negotiate, he might just want to focus on playing. Um, Man, I just think for one player, I mean, how has that worked out for the Angels? I mean, they've had Otani for several years now. They have Mike Trout. Uh, You know what they've never had, though? They've never had the pitching. Yeah, well, that's true. The Mariners do have it. I mean, Ooh. I will give you that point. I'll give you that point. Yeah. But... No, I, I know what you're saying.
0: Uh, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, Jordan. We just sat <laughs> through a 21-year playoff drought. Yeah, I know. So, dare to be great. Dare to be great. Go for a big swing. Do something, if available, because you never know. Yeah, yeah. It's not like you're giving up Veritek and Derek Lowe for Heathcliff Slocum. Yeah, Otani might leave. You're not wrong about that. But, you know, I mean, there's obviously, like, any conversations nuanced. Because if Anaheim is, uh, you know, if they're not falling, I mean, they have their next six games are against the Astros and the Yankees. So, I mean, be nice if they could lose all six of those. Uh, but, but, you know, if Anaheim's not falling. If the Mariners, you know, if the Mariners heat up and, you know, they're, you know, seven games, eight games over 500 at the deadline, you know, both teams might be, have a little different thinking. I I know what you mean. I mean, there are going to be people who think it's insane that you don't try and get Otani now. And there are going to be people that are going to think it's insane that you would give up anything for the chance of trying to resign Otani. I I I know I'm going to sound like a fence rider, but I don't think either side's wrong.
1: I can see the point either way, but let me ask you this. I mean, do you think this team, as it currently stands right now, you're obviously going to lose some of these major league players from our team going back to the Angels if we complete this trade and we bring in an Otani. Do you think if we remove a couple pieces – insert in an Otani that, that puts us over the edge. Like, are we that good this year that, Hey, we just need an Otani and we're going AL championship series. So if the deal is what I said,
0: you know, with a, I mean, with a uh, Miller, a Wu, a Hancock and a Harry Ford, That doesn't hurt you at all this season because Miller and Wu are going to be shut down soon.
1: Well, they may not be shut down. They might skip some starts. I think
0: Wu will be shut down. I heard something about him being – you're
1: right about Miller, but I think Wu is pretty much
0: done in like six or seven more starts. Just he's never pitched as much as he's pitched this year.
1: So you got two pitchers down. You bring in Otani. Who fills in the other role? Is it like Tommy Malone
0: boy, time alone, you know, I, I mean, let me tell you, have you ever heard of Marco Gonzalez? See, now you're making me really just – Yeah, but we it. don't
1: – I mean, we don't know when no, Marco – No, so.
0: Marco's banged up. I, you know, that's – that's a good – I mean, I think Flexon's a free agent again. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a question. But remember, like I said, Wu is – I mean, you're not getting a ton. I mean, if you got to trot out Malone, I guess. I mean, who? it's a little dangerous, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, like, you're obviously losing some sort of uh, firepower on our major league roster to bring in a Notani. But, like, listen, man. If we can just survive the next 75 games, make it to the playoffs, and then sign Otani in the offseason, you're not giving up anybody.
0: Right? Yeah. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But there is something nice to have them in here. They make the playoffs, which I mean, obviously, I know it's not, not a guarantee, but having him here and experiencing it and being like, you know what? I really like this. And if they throw,
1: similar money that other teams are
0: you know might want to stick around
1: i get it man no i get it i just i am not a big believer in like paying big for like one big player because i just i don't see that it like works out too often you know like I guess hindsight with like the Robbie Cano deal with us when he signed that big contract, Um, you know, we never made the playoffs. I mean, he did okay, but we had to overpay to get him to Seattle. Um, You know, you look at the angels with Mike Trout, but um, I mean, you're right. I mean like the Mariners are kind of in a unique situation because they do have that young controllable pitching, but like, you got to remember here, like Gilbert's going to hit arbitration years here pretty soon. So is Kirby. I believe <laughs> it was either Kirby or Gilbert. They tried to extend and they said no uh, a while back. Well, um, oh, I know so that was like, Kelnick. I don't know if it was
0: either of the pitchers.
1: Kelnick said no. I think they offered it to. I would guess Gilbert. because I, he I got think it was Gilbert they offered it to and he said no. And so like those guys are going to be pretty pricey coming up. Um you know, you got Julio locked up, you got Castillo locked up, but then it's just like, you got to remember, man, like with, with arbitration and all that stuff, like, you know, even Cal Raleigh, you know, guys like that, you're going to have to be paying through the nose for, and, you know, a lot of these guys want their freedom. They don't necessarily want the, uh, the money, uh, up front right now by extending them and trying to, you know, pay out their arbitration years. And so, um, you know, Mariners are going to have to start spending some money here pretty soon with this. Uh, you know, the young players they have. Um, yes, they
0: will. Uh, you know, another thing they can do, uh, your boy Easton McGee P- is P- down the DL. I don't know. Uh, yeah, he,
1: he hit the 60 day DL, but I'm not sure what the prognosis is on him. I got a computer, I can look it up right now, but I will say this.
0: You know, it doesn't. It doesn't stop you from trading other players. You know, not. You know, somebody will have a innings eater. It was a few years ago when they get Tyler Anderson. Was that just last year? No, that was two years ago. You know, yeah. there's always a guy that like that that you can get that somebody might say, you know what, uh, I'll give up. You know we'll give up for a lottery ticket type prospect. Um, yeah. But I mean, that doesn't mean you bank on it, but yeah, you're right. If you give up Wu and Miller,
1: it kind of hurts the depth. Um, oh, for sure. Here. And a Hancock because then you don't have anybody you can bring up from the, the minors to replace them. Okay, here you go. They gave up Carter, Bins, and Joaquin
0: – hold on here. I had it right here. Joaquin Tejada for Tyler Anderson. So mm. I mean you can give up some lottery and that was 2 years ago and neither one of those guys has hit the majors. Yeah. So well
1: let me ask you this Tim. Yeah. You know you know DePoto shopping right now. He said as much on 710. They're looking for foundational pieces and DePoto has done this ever since he got to Seattle. Like That's pretty much how he forms. He's formed a lot of these major league rosters with the Mariners is via trade. I mean, you look at the guys that we have now on the major league roster, like not a ton of them are homegrown talent with the exception of a few. Definitely the pitchers, not the position players. And so what if I told you you can augment this team but not – really, you know, hurt our pitching depth and our prospect depth. Um, and then, you know, you would still have a chance to sign Otani. Maybe maybe Otani would agree to like a two- or three-year deal. I don't know. You know, maybe it's not like a long-term deal. But, like, I think there's still ways that we can improve this team for the home stretch and not have to give up such a high bounty.
0: You know, you're right. There are ways to improve it. Um, Yeah, and give up the bounty. And, yeah, I mean, maybe we'll see what they do because, I mean, they might – they still might flip a Hancock or, you know, I mean, do you even get wild, maybe not this season, but in the offseason, do you even get wild and trade like a Gilbert or a Kirby? I wouldn't trade Kirby, though. But let's just say a Gilbert or a Kirby for a bat.
1: You know, a similar yeah. uncontrolled bat. You know? Man. I mean, uh, it's just so hard. I mean, like, obviously those guys are like the most valuable trade chips we have, but man, it's just like, wouldn't you love to have like just next year? I mean, if we uh, Robbie Ray's not coming back next year, right? He's well, next year too. He could be ready like late in the
0: season. It's like a you know, it's like a 12 to, I think, 18-month surgery. So, he could be out the whole year. Yes. Yeah.
1: It's just like, here's how good the Mariners' starting rotation is. Like, you know, they lost two of their key pitchers this year. And three, really, if you count Easton McGee. By the way, Tommy John surgery for Easton McGee. So, he's on the show oh, yeah. for a while. But, man, so you know, it's like... It starts
0: later in the season. Good, good.
1: Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, basically... Um, you know, we're rolling with guys like Miller Wu, um, and guys that we didn't really think that we're going to be on the team, like even a spot start by like Tommy Malone the other night, like, these are all guys that are, have gotten the Mariners now within six games of first place of, uh, the AL West and knocking on the door of the wild card. So it's just like, man, it's tough to give that up because that is such like the strength of our team. And, and quite frankly, is the only reason we are where we are right now. And so um I know you got to trade something good to get something good in return. I just feel like it's going to have to be one of those lower level prospects but you know a prospect that is like high on a rankings list. Yeah, and, and and I'm with you.
0: I mean, they're going to um you know, I I I mean, this is a Tim Kelly pipe dream and you know, it's funny <laughs> a month ago I would not have I would have laughed at whatever this version of Sim Kelly is saying about uh, about acquiring Otani, you know, giving up prospects, just wait. But uh, it's, um, you know, I, I, I just think when you have a chance to get that player. Now they say the angels might not do it regardless because you don't want to Artie Moreno doesn't want to be like the Red Sox owner trading Babe Ruth, right? Right. Right now. Yeah. Yeah but but if you don't think he's going to sign with you which I don't really know why he would at this point I mean they no they he wants solved. to win yeah they haven't solved their issues right yeah, and he's done. and trout as much as I love trout he's you know like anybody he's on the wrong side of 30 well not anybody but i mean athletes i mean you and i are on the wrong side of 30 too but uh, thirty as well, I should say, but no, I mean
1: you're on the you're on the
0: right side of thirty, I'll say.
1: Uh, I feel like Trout's going to want out at some point too, but like who's going to take on that contract? Well, that's the problem, right? I mean, it's like you see that in basketball. Like, uh, it's different in baseball, but basketball,
0: you, you know, if you you stay with the team that drafted you, you can get all these extra provisions for money, and then these guys. Sign these big contracts. Uh, Portland's doing it with Lillard right now. He signs a five-year contract, and after the first year, he's like, "I want to be traded," you know. And yeah. you know, all these other teams need to find a way to acquire them, but they're not getting good values on the return. Right. Exactly. Um, but baseball's a little different. But right. Yeah. I. I. Uh, yeah. It's tough. I mean, I. I think you're right. The smart thing to do is to maybe wait and hope you, can, hope you can get them right? I mean, that's I, that's probably what's going to happen. But if you could get him in the room
1: two months earlier, I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, I know they do like that exclusive negotiating window. They did that with Luis Castillo. But let me uh, let me test your, your Mariner part of your brain here. Uh-oh. What was the last trade that the Mariners did with the Angels? Can you name the two players? Mariners and Angels. Uh. We gave up a pitcher, we got a hitter in return. A pitcher and a hitter. I, I don't know who was it. I was your boy Kendris Morales, and we traded uh, Jason Vargas.
0: Okay, my, I should have known that one. That was I thought it was going to be more <laughs> obscure than that. No. I kept. I kept thinking of our great free agent signings from the Angels, like Scott Spezio and uh, oh, gosh. Sean Figgins.
1: Oh, yeah. man. You know the only reason we signed Spezio is because he got like that. Wasn't it a game-winning hit in the World Series or something? Yep. Yes, sir. Yeah, one hit. Oh, yeah, no, man. it was
0: dumb because they let David Bell go. I, I was a big David Bell fan. Uh, oh, yeah, I love David Bell.
1: Yeah, he's a good third baseman. Yeah. I, I some
0: say he's the greatest mariner third baseman of all time. and people say no Beltray was better. I said okay, but then people try and tell me Kyle Seeger's
1: is better and I I'm not buying that one. I think Mike Blowers, man. He's got a oh, the conversation.
0: Go. No Russ Davis. Russ Davis. <laughs> Russ Davis, there you go. No, Seeger Seeger and Beltray have statistically been the best third baseman, but you know no.
1: they've,
0: they've had some good good third baseman come through there. Yeah, I I mean, I know Jordan – I mean, maybe I'm getting a little too crazy with it, but <laughs> I, I I, think, you know, there's going to have to – get it. Yeah. I get it,
1: because, like, who wouldn't want a, an Otani on your team, but, like, like okay, you insert Otani on the Mariners, like, yeah, they probably instantly become probably American League Championship contenders. But, man – you got to think about what we're giving up. And is that a bigger impact than the positives that Otani would bring? And like, I am not convinced that Mariners owners are willing to pay an Otani.
0: Well, that's the biggest thing, right? Yeah. That's, That's the biggest
1: thing. Are the Mariners owners willing to dish out the most lucrative contract, perhaps in sports history? Well, the ba- the contract will be the biggest
0: in baseball baseball history average per year um yes it it'll be you know that there are some reports saying that otani might just want a
1: 3 year deal well i mean that would be a little more palpable i i would think that would be something that the Mariners would be willing to do. But like, if you're talking like five or 600 million over whatever it is going to be 10, like, 11 eight, years nine, 10, or whatever. Yeah. I yeah. mean, man, cause like, you know, things go South with the team. You're in year six, seven. Like, are you, uh, and you're stuck in that Otani contract? Like that's really, I mean, that's, that would be the beginning of, you know, another 21 year playoff drought. Cause that just really hamstrings the organization to bring in new players. And better players.
0: Yeah, that's true. And, you know, I mean, you have to look no further than, uh, uh, I think the contract's up this year, but Detroit with Miguel Cabrera, I mean, he can't even hit the ball anymore. Last two years, it's been. Dude, it's I was actually tough.
1: shocked to see that he was still playing.
0: Yeah. Well, because he's Dude, making. Dude's life. what,
1: 41, 42?
0: Yeah. He's,
1: he's right up there. No,
0: it's crazy how much, like, the incentives were if he, like, finished top 10 in MVP, but, like, right now, he's, like, I I bet he's making, it's, like, 35 or something, and he's garbage. He's been, I I looked at the numbers, this is a couple weeks ago, like, he, like, obviously, like, the first five years of the contract, he was worth it, but to your point about signing Otani to a 10-year deal, like, the last five, six years of the deal, he has been, yeah, like, offensively. Uh, you know, if you're going to go with offensive war, like when he got to Detroit, like he had a 7, a 7, 9, a 7, 7, a 9, 1, a 5, 2, a 4, 8, a 5, 4 war season offensively. And then since 2017, 0. 0.2, 0. 0.7, 0. 0.1, negative 0.2, negative 0.9, negative yeah. And he's made so much money in that time. Oh, I yeah. mean, since, yeah. since that happened, it's been 28 million, 30, 30, 30, 30,
1: 32, 32. Right, right. You know, and so, you know, I mean, you, you talk about like the money and stuff. It's like, are the Mariners owners and the fan base like, are we so hungry for a World Series title that we're just like willing yes. to like? Throw out dollars to the rest of your question. I'm saying, yeah, sorry, Sorry, (laughs) like you will spend every last dollar that it takes to put us over the edge. But it's like, realistically and logically, is 2023 the year to do that, or do you need to wait another year to have you know Julio in year three? Um, some of you know, you know, Kirby and Gilbert in year three, which it's like, you know, can you imagine them being much better? I mean, they're already so good, so. I mean, is the, is the time to strike now, or is it two or three years from now? So, I will say this, kind of what we were talking about.
0: I don't know what I, – I think they're kind of in a weird spot right now, the Mariners, that is, because they, they don't – we were just talking about it, you know, 15, 20 minutes ago. They don't have any hitting prospects ready to come up, right? Right. You know, I mean, you have guys that are – you have Shiner, you have Delos, you have Marlowe, but those guys haven't really been considered. You know, you've got your Haggerty's and your Trammell's who are – I mean, as they've shown us, you know, they're very good AAA players and they're, you know, I mean – they're quadruple a quadruple a there you go so you're kind of in limbo until your prospects that are just hitting everett today or are in everett or are in double a you probably have two years before you start having that treasure chest of hitting prospects start coming in so you know but you can't not be competitive offensively the next two years. It's just kind of a weird spot they're in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have to augment with the trades. Um, I mean, let me ask you this, Tim. Like, is this team uh, – let me just, like, be blunt. Is Are we going to the playoffs this year, yes or no? Well, I mean,
0: that is a loaded question. There's 73 games left in the season. Currently – as we're recording this, they're playing Detroit. They're down 2 nothing to Detroit. Detroit hit a two-run home run. Castillo. Hey, it's
1: you know. Shocker, we don't have any runs on the board.
0: Yeah, and, shocker. Uh, it's the top. I,
1: I got a little bone p- to pick with service here once you're finished with your point. Okay, yeah. But <laughs> they're four games out of a playoff spot.
0: Uh, you know, wild card spot. You know, teams aren't beating up on each other, but the Mariners are starting to heat up. Uh Boy, I don't know. Four games is not a lot, but, uh, you know, they haven't had injuries. The bats are heating up, and maybe a guy like Julio will play a lot better. Julio has not been good this no. year. I mean, I know he was an all star and he put on a display, and they kind of had to put him in the all star game. But, I mean, if his name was Tim Rodriguez, I don't think, or you know (laughs) julio youngs i don't think he's getting in the all-star game
1: (laughs) no uh yeah i saw julio on the t-mobile commercials all that stuff dude's a superstar man he is alaska airlines
0: is having him all that stuff so i think the bats will hit heat up i think i think the last weekend into the season they'll still be in the playoff hunt i don't know if that means they'll be in the playoffs so is that couching it too much?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like I'm right there with you. Like, I saw something today that they'll have to be like, know, like 13 or 14 games over 500 in the second half of the year to hit 90 wins. But here's what's maddening about the Mariners. And I, I always, what kind of irritates me is they have a different lineup every night. And so, do you remember, like, back in the old, like, Lou Pinella days? Like, you could pretty much count on the same lineup, like, every single day. Absolutely. (laughs) So, like, I don't know if the game has changed or what, but I feel like with a different lineup every night, like, you just cannot get guys to settle in. And so, whenever the Mariners face a left-handed pitcher, I just know they're going to put out what I call their bad lineup full of righties. And the Mariners' good lineup is – the left-handed hitters okay because the mariners covet these lefty righty matchups so much that they're willing to bench jared kelnick who's actually hit left-handed pitching this year they're willing to bench your best slugger right now who's mike ford and they're willing to put in a dylan moore who tim do you know how many hits dylan moore has this year i know he was hurt but do you know how many hits he has this year one yeah, he has one. one he's okay. one for 27. Granted, that was a home run, but he's hitting point zero three seven for a batting average. You know how many times he struck out in 27 at-bats? 10. <laughs> 16. Ooh! So you got a guy with an over 50% strikeout rate that you're willing to put in left field. That's not a power No. And this was supposed to be the sinker or swim year for Jared Kelnick. And you brought, in, you brought in Pollock to platoon if Kellnick doesn't work out, and he proves that he can only hit right-handed pitching. But he can, he's hitting left-handed pitching this year. And they sit him for Dylan Moore. The Mariners are so hell-bent on getting Dylan Moore's back going that they're willing to lose games, in my opinion. I don't get it. I don't know why they're doing it. And then you have A.J. Pollock in there as well who has not hit any pitching this year. I mean, he's hitting like one whatever. So I'm going to tell you these stats from Jared Kelnick. If you had to guess what his batting average against left-handed pitching, what do you think it is? Against lefties? Yeah. Uh, 170. Uh, 288. Oh, okay. So yeah, sorry. He hits lefties. No, yeah, he's hitting lefties, but do you know what he is against right handed pitching?
0: Uh oh, one fifty then.
1: No, it's like two thirty-two. Oh, okay. I I'm Kelnick just went on a little run there at the end of the end of uh the first half of the season to kind of boosted. That's numbers. true. That's true. But um I gotta make sure that I'm looking at well, his career. He has not been yeah. well, he has not been playing well. No, I mean no, he hasn't. I mean, like compared to how he started, yes. But like, are, but uh, are you really benching Kelnick for Dylan Moore? You know, to get Dylan Moore in the lineup or AJ Pollock in the lineup? No, I no. mean,
0: well, it's like it's like today when you're talking about Mike Ford, right? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I I looked up the numbers before, you know, and they they don't want to play him against they don't want to have him hit against lefties and he heading into uh tonight's game well he's not playing this season he's like one of 3 against lefties like it's yeah great. so they don't
1: they don't play him against lefties they don't
0: play him yeah he's one of 3 with a double against lefties but if you look at his career you know which is probably a better sample size he lefties he has an 916 on-base percentage, or 9 uh OPS. OPS, yeah. His on-base is not great, but he has a 617 slugging
1: against lefties. I don't get it, man. So why – I mean, why Why does Service and DePoto covet this lefty and righty thing so much to where they're willing to just sit down our better players and put in worse players? I mean, it really is – as simple as that. Why? I don't you know. know why, Tim.
0: It,
1: it, it's bizarre. And if you look,
0: like the last month, Ford's obviously been the best hitter. Suarez and Teoscar have been heating up. You know who else is up there with him? Who's that guy who's batting right now on my TV screen? JP Crawford, in terms of like oh, OPS. Oh my
1: boy, JP. You know I love you, JP.
0: Yeah, I know you do. You're a huge JP fan. You're the biggest JP fan I know. He is. He's heating up, man. I mean, he's been playing well. All those guys have been better than Julio. All those guys have been better than Ty France. You're two all-stars
1: from last year by far,
0: you know. In theory, you're two
1: best hitters. So the Mariners have this fascination where they have to, like, play their bench players, like, multiple times a week, and they're bad bench players, like. The, I'm sure the rationale is like, hey, you know, we, you know, we like the lefty versus righty matchup. Like, we got to get these guys going if we want to, like, get to where we want to be this year. But it's like, no, at some point, you just got to play your best players, guys that have proven that they can hit left-handed pitching and put them in the lineup instead of jostling things around game by game. Um, I actually – I have a few acts to grind with service. Like, don't get me wrong, I think he's a, a solid major league manager. And as you and I always talk about, Tim, you fire a manager, who else are you bringing in? Right. You know? Yeah. So I don't think service is so bad to where you fire him. But one thing that is unforgivable in my eyes is when he robbed Logan Gilbert of a complete <laughs> game early in the season, I texted you about this. I was you pissed did. off about it at the time. Fired up. And then I was, I was kind of justified later because When he was taken out of the game against the Oakland A's earlier this season with the lead, granted it wasn't a shutout, but he has 79 pitches going into the ninth inning, and they pull him. And he even said after the game, you know, like, he's not going to throw his manager under the bus in a post-game interview, but he's like, hey, you know, like, I would have liked to finish that game. And you know that everybody else on the team would have liked to see him finish that game, too. And so uh, it was either – I think it was on 4th of July, Logan Gilbert pitches a complete game shutout. I was shocked that they sent him back out there for the ninth. Then you see after the game, you know, the players coming around him in the locker room all celebrating, and they're all excited. And I think even, like, Tom Murphy said, you know, like, I know this is big for Gilbert or Logan, but, like, this is so big for the team too. And so Scott Service not only robbed Logan Gilbert of that – special moment early in the season, but then he robbed the entire team of it too because, you know, whatever his reasoning was, like, I hey, we need to get the bullpen some work, you know. Like, giving the bullpen, what, 15 extra pitches, like, over the course of a season in that one night, like, that's not going to do anything. I think he made a bigger impact on the team. Granted, it was a negative one by not letting Gilbert come out and finish that game. A young pitcher to get his first complete game, I think it could have set the tone and they could have been a little bit... You know, would have they won more games? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know if it would have been that big of a difference maker. But he robbed the team of a special moment, and I had to get that off my chest. I've been holding on to that one for a long time. <laughs> well, let me ask you this: You mentioned the
0: conversation you and I always have. Okay, uh, you know, we we did this bordering uh, headed into football season, which I will uh, eat crow on when I was like, yeah, you know. I want. I'm Team Russ, you know, and Pete. <laughs> the game is the passing by, um, but uh, the. Uh, I guess I didn't say quite the games passing by, but you know what I meant. But uh, I, I was I was in favor of firing Pete uh, or letting go of Pete if it was to keep Russ. Now let me ask you this: Service has been here a while. 2016 is that when they showed up?
1: 2016.
0: Yeah. At some point. Do you just need a new, a new direction, a new voice?
1: Well, that's hard, man, because dude's gotten us two ninety one win seasons um, at the helm, and so he's I'm the really only like, manager besides
0: Lou take a team to the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I mean, so can you can a manager? I mean, just for that, I mean, it's like you don't you, you fire managers that get you a 60-70 win seasons, you know, like back to back. But like, I, I I don't think the Mariners problems are the managing staff, although like, I don't get this platoon nonsense. And I think service was not thinking straight when he robbed Logan Gilbert earlier this year. But I think largely he's a good manager. And I think largely like, I mean, who else do you really bring in? I mean, it really comes down to the players that you have on the field and like what they're capable of doing and the roster construction, quite honestly, I I think service is a good in game manager. Like dude, dude's had some blunders over the years, especially last year in the playoffs with that Robbie Ray thing, like that kind of blew up in his face, but it's like, you know, can you really judge him on, you know, the three things that I'm pissed off about him about? I mean, largely he's been pretty good. So I, I don't. I think service is probably the least of the Mariners' problems right now, and okay. I think they need to focus on getting some like foundational positional pieces that are controllable and who can deliver some results on the field. Okay. Okay. Well, we kind of touched
0: on it. You asked me, you know, if I thought they'd make the playoffs. So let's let's put a little put a little predictions in stone here. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, we might be eating crow. Uh, so you asked me, do I think they'll make the playoffs? Uh, and I, I guess I didn't give you an answer. I'll say this. I don't (laughs) think they'll make the playoffs, but I think they'll be in it
1: till the last weekend of the season. I'm trying to like, put in like, look into my crystal ball. Um, they got seven
0: games left. They've won 45. So, I mean, you kind of have to go probably 45 and 28 which is a that's a that's a lot of wins
1: yeah I mean what is that 17 games over 500 yeah um I think I'm with you Tim I mean if I'm looking into this crystal ball here this oh, is yeah. a team that is not as electric as they were last year specifically in coming back and winning games that they had no business winning. I watched them firsthand, Tim, go to the Rangers um, up in Arlington and down five to two going to the top of ninth, come back and win that game. Yeah. I don't see that this year, man. Um, Now, granted, I think our pitching is a little bit better this year and quite honestly I just don't see like this upward trajectory of the offense continuing I think they got hot for a little bit they've they've scored runs the way they can but like you, they're a good team but to score enough runs to like get into the dance like I just don't see it because especially as they're throw like they're willingly putting out these lineups with gaping holes like you have A.J. Pollock and you have Dylan Moore in the same lineup tonight. I mean, that's just a black hole. Now, like, I haven't looked at the box score tonight. Maybe Dylan Moore has, like, three hits or something. But, um, yeah, I mean, you said what they, they don't have, have any runs, right? It's still 2 nothing tonight. Uh, Eduardo Rod- Rodriguez has uh, six strikeouts
0: through uh, four innings so far. And his last start he got. Touched up for uh, five earned runs in four innings against the Oakland Athletics.
1: <laughs> they put the bad lineup in tonight, man. It's hard to score runs with the bad lineup. Um, the right-handed hitters, we just don't have right-handed hitters. So, um, Hey, man, like I probably got to agree with you. Like I think they're going to hang around. And like a lot of teams do now with this expanded playoffs. Yeah.
0: It's nice to have an extra spot,
1: right? Yeah. So, I mean like they're probably going to go into the final week of the season, maybe be like three or four games out. I think they're going to kind of hang around, but like, do you really see this team? Like they're not winning 90 games this year. I'll tell you that right now. Like I will go on record on the courts and fields podcast wow. and I will put in my prediction. I would say they will not win 90 games this year. Just from what I've seen from the full body of work in the first half of the season, they came on a little strong towards the end. They're going to give us all some hope. They will hang around through August and into late September, but they just don't have that. They're not a playoff team, man. Like it's, you know, it kind of hurts to say that because of course I want the Mariners to get that first World Series title, but it's not the year, man, not with sophomore slump julio not as electric as he was last year ty france not being consistent who knows if teoscar hernandez is even going to be on the roster come late summer um the strikeouts the strikeouts the strikeouts you know i've been harping on that i mean i had a concern about that coming into the season when we were doing our mariners preview yeah before the season even started i was saying hey man like cal raleigh strikeout rate uh suarez strikeout rate like what do you think about that like it's bad, man. I mean, we strike out too much. And that that, that doesn't just suddenly disappear. go away. I mean, yeah. like, that's who they are. And so, yeah, we pieced together some wins, and we look pretty good going into the break. But, man, you, you you can't just look at those 10, 15 games and be like, hey, that's my Mariners. That's who they really are. It's They're really not that. You have to look at all – the games that led up to that point, that's who they are. They're a team that's a little streaky that can get together, um, you know, do a little, whatever, win six to eight or whatever, six to seven. But I think over the course of, you know, the next 70 plus games, it's just like, I just don't think they have it to, to stay in the race. Uh, they'll stay in the race, but not uh, make it to the dance.
0: Well, yeah. And I mean, here you are, you got your ace who could have started the all-star game. I mean, they weren't going to start him because he had pitched, close to the season but I mean he gave he had a mistake gave up a two-run bomb but he's been pretty nailed since then and your offense can't do anything against Detroit you know you got three games against Detroit four games against Minnesota who's a similar record as you really where the Mariners are going to make their hay starting in mid-August at Kansas City for four at Houston who they've had Houston's number this year, at the White Sox for three, and then come home for three against Kansas City, three against Oakland, and then go to three at the Mets?
1: I mean, it just – it doesn't matter really who they're playing to me. You know, why? Because, like, you see, like, the Washington Nationals coming down. That's true. that's true. a bottom feeder team, and we, like, lose ugly to them. Then we go to uh, Houston to go into the break for a four-game series, and we take three or four.
0: And you could have Um, easily taken
1: that fourth game too. Could have swept them. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we take it to Tampa Bay. I think we won that series as well. So it's like, you know, I saw the Mariners blow like whatever was like a 12 run lead in Kansas city last year or something like that. Yeah. You know, so it's like, it doesn't really, I mean, they're struggling to a mediocre pitcher tonight. Like, you know, very quickly, I know, like, fans are excited, like, hey, you know, maybe the Mariners are going to be turning around, but it's, like, very quickly, you know, they lose two ugly games, like, we're right back to, man, this team sucks, I'll never root for them again, I knew they were going to regress, all that. We can very, very quickly, Tim, go into that despair narrative that we were in just, uh, you know, three short weeks ago. Well, if you go two and five against,
0: you know, these this homestand, I mean, you're looking at 47 and 49, and you got beat by, you know, you lost two series or you won a series and got swept by Minnesota. You know, there's there's not a lot of, uh, yeah. There's, yeah, we, we won't go, we won't get in that narrative yet, uh, yet. But then, so, you don't think they'll make a move for Otani, but they will make a move for a pitcher and a bat during the deadline?
1: Well, I mean, Topoto said they're going to be shopping for foundational pieces. If maybe a foundational piece is not available or they feel like they just can't get a deal done, I mean, they might try to bring in a slugger like on a half-season deal, you know, like they did last year with um, – face, Yeah, Santana, something like that. I mean, they they will make a move. I don't know. I mean, they're not – like they're, they'll move the the pieces that they need to, to bring in a foundational positional player. Like I have no doubts that they'll do that, but um, you know, you, you think about the pitching though, cause you're right. I mean, they're going to have to potentially shut some guys down or miss starts with the young pitching staff. So like come late August going into September, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. And, you know, that's another reason why I think they're probably not a playoff team. Cause like, man, you know, if, if Marco can't come back and, you know, Robbie Ray's already gone for a while, like, you know, there's trouble ahead for the Mariners because it's really been our pitching that keeps us afloat. So I think they'll make a move. Um, I don't know if it's going to be some sort of blockbuster trade um, because man, you know, I just, I feel like the asking price is just too much and, you know, the one thing that any trade partner is going to be asking for from the Mariners is going to be that young, controllable pitching, preferably yeah. those pitchers that have faced major league hitters. So,
0: Okay. Okay. So, I guess my last question for you, and by the
1: way, <laughs> uh, uh, Castillo just gave up a solo shot. Uh, Man, so he has team. not been a sharp – this year i have to say he has not been as sharp i mean yeah i don't
0: think he has either and then people were like you should have started the all-star game i'm like huh and then they're like look at his advanced numbers and they haven't but you're you're 100 right the most impressive thing about the home run some dude in right field in a julio jersey caught the ball and then immediately just chucked it back it was amazing what he he didn't even hesitate yeah people still do that yeah i would have kept the home run ball Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I've never caught a home run ball. It's probably why I'd, why I'd keep it. But uh,
1: so – Hey, uh, I got to share one, one yeah. story before you go to your next Absolutely. point. Absolutely. Yeah. I have a very early memory of being in the kingdom sitting in the outfield bleachers. And I remember I think I was probably like five or six years old. I think it was like Wade Boggs or somebody who hit a home run out into the outfield bleachers. And the ball was coming like right towards me. And there was, like, some guy in the row in front of us that, like, desperately wanted the ball and, like, go for it from the row in front of us. Like, knocked my sister over, who then knocked up over my other sister and then knocked over me. And then I remember the ball, like, hitting off, like, the concrete floor, like, two feet from my head. Like, I could have, like... You know, the chances of me catching a ball were like pretty slim to none. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, People are crazy, man. People are. If I ever see that guy
0: again, I'm going to give a piece of my mind. He might be in some undisclosed location in Texas. he might be, and I'll find him too. (laughs) Um, I guess my last question for you is this. Okay, you're building the team. You want to be playoff contenders. You want to get to the playoffs. I mean, obviously, you want to go every year, but if they can go every other year. If the Mariners miss the playoffs, I know we're doing ifs, but it looks the trajectory unless they do something they haven't done all year, and this year's half over, right? They'd have to completely change themselves. Anyway, what are Mariner fans going to be telling themselves in the offseason, assuming they miss the playoffs? They're going to be
1: wanting change. I mean, you know, they'll just kind of write off the season of of like – this unrespected, unexpected regression from guys that you know really should have performed better. Yeah, and they're going to want Depoto to be aggressive in the offseason. Um, I don't think they're going to demand for him or services head on a silver platter, but they're going to want some wholesale change because you can't go into this next 2024 season with these same positional players. Like, sure, some key pieces like whatever, like Crawford, all of our starting pitchers. I mean, Julio, like mainstays. But, like, I think everybody's kind of expendable, right, you know, after that because um, you just saw, like, these guys just couldn't get it done. Yeah. No, I mean, it was
0: supposed to be what they fixed during the playoff, you know, the playoff game when nobody could get a hit. And, you know, then <laughs> they were like – I mean that, I mean, I think this season will be haunted by how they started it and said, you know what, we're going to run out Pollock la stella and hummel and one of those three is going to be our
1: answer at dh i mean like in retrospect man like that's a massive failure by depoto and company but you know we brought up this point last time it's like you you look at the guy's numbers and you say like i mean with the exception of la stella but like pollock's always hit left-handed pitching and he did last year but like yeah. You got to remember Pollock was a full-time player last year and he's never been like really in this platoon role. And so, um, and he's not really protected in this Mariners lineup. Like I really know what he is. And yeah. so, you know, different scenery, different situation. Um, I guess you could say like, kind of like a prime situation for his numbers to, to regress. Um, so like, I, I kind of like place even blame, like, half DePoto and probably half these players who couldn't really get their act together until like the late summer months. Well, Jordan, I have to say we're a little more doom and gloom than we should be, I think. Yeah, you know, like I was kind of like planning to come into this podcast being like a little more cheery, like, hey, yeah, you know, we just like knocked off the the Astros three or four, but the more I talked it out with you and the more like I try to put some logic to it, like man, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't be as excited as I am. Because, like, hey, look, man, we're both fans. We get caught up in, the, like, whatever happened to the last, you know, five oh, games. Yeah. But, like, you, you take in the season as a whole, like, you know, I just uh, – I don't see it, man. I just don't. Well, I will say this to you. I hope the
0: next time we talk on this podcast, you and <laughs> I are just eating just delicious helpings of crow.
1: Yeah, we might, but um, boy, I just know, and I want all your listeners to know this. Every time the Mariners face a left-handed pitcher, we will be trotting out our bad lineup. So most of those games we're going to lose. If we face righties, we probably have a better chance to win. But uh, I'm with you, man. I I really hope uh, we're wrong. And uh, hopefully we'll have playoff baseball in Seattle again this year. I hope so, too. We'll have you on again, uh, you know, uh,
0: sometime in the near future. we got to talk a little Hawks. We'll, we'll be a little more optimistic, I think. And hopefully, like I said, we'll be eating that crow.
1: Season's right around the corner for Seahawks, man. And, hey, you know, Mariners' narratives, they change every couple weeks. So, yeah, looking forward to doing it again soon. Like
0: I said – Hopefully Jordan and I are eating lots of crow. you know what? That's what makes sports great. You can be 45 and 44, just an average team at the break, and then, you know, maybe you win 45 games in the second half, you know, and kick that winning percentage to over 600, and boom, you're in the playoffs. Well, we'll be a little more cheery next time, I think. Whoever my guest is, we haven't booked one yet, but when we do, we will be more cheery. I promise. Or maybe not as real. Well, we can't, we got to be real. We got to be real. We'll be more optimistic. There we go. I'm Tim Kelly, and this has been Courts and Fields.